Thanks for uh, indulging me with that song. Whenever uh, I was in uh, fifth grade, just up the up the uh, street here, Daniel's Elementary School was where the Sun Builders building is now, and uh, we our teacher was Carl Oakes. He lived out on uh, 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 what's the name of that street that goes this right up? Yeah, forgot it now. Anyway, he uh, he in our singing class for school we had the Daniels Jubilee Singers and he had our fifth grade class and we learned Christian songs and we went to churches all over the place and sang on Sundays in a really special time and that was one of the songs that we sang that was really special a lot of other songs I remembered and uh, memorized and I often think about when I hear one of those songs, I think, what about the other people who are in the class? Did they memorize that? Because when you memorize things at a young age, it sticks with you. And those songs, I could just close my eyes and sing that song, and I think about all the others. What about the ones who aren't believers? And they heard all those songs, and it's in their hearts, and maybe God will still use them. And thank you for faithfulness of Christian people like Carl Oakes and his, his sister was my first grade teacher, and they were believers. And just uh, thank the Lord for Christian teachers who plant seeds in public schools and make a difference. So thanks for indulging me with that uh, with that song. Well, it's in that same uh, place at the Daniels Elementary, just right up here in the second grade, that uh, something happened to me. And we, we remember things when we're little, don't we? And, and uh, sometimes they really impact us. We were on the playground playing, and then they didn't have a big fence like they do now, just a little small fence, and we were playing with the ball. And if I remember correctly, the ball went out into the road, right on, right on the main road, and that was a lot of traffic then, just as it is now. And we got in trouble with the teacher because the ball went out in the road. Somebody threw it out in the road, I think maybe on purpose. Somebody said that it was me that did it on purpose. And sweet little Paige was innocent. Really, I was innocent. I wasn't always innocent. But uh, in that case, I was innocent. But uh, one of my friends uh, threw me under the bus as such, and he said it was me. And the teacher believed him and not me. And I was sentenced to, I think, a whole week without recess. And let me tell you, that impacted a little fella. And I felt so wronged. I thought, man, this is so wrong, and nobody would believe me, and none of the other classmates would stick up for me, and I still remember that to this day, and uh, Sharon's heard that a million times, haven't you? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the name of the teacher, because it might be somebody's mom, <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, we remember things when we've been wrong. We've all been wronged in ways, and we've all wronged other people in ways, too, and sometimes people accuse us unknowingly or by, you know, someone else's uh, accusation, which this time I was wrongly accused. A boy did it to save his own skin. I don't remember who it was. I'm glad I don't. <laughs> so I can't hold a grudge. But uh, sometimes people accuse us or sometimes things happen and we draw a conclusion when we don't know the whole story. It would have been wrong. There was a, I read one time in a uh, book from Stephen Covey, I think it's a uh, uh, seven Habits of Highly Effective People, a long time ago. And I haven't forgot this. It really impacted me. What it was said, there was a, a men that were on a subway in New York, and it was really busy, and this guy got on with his kids, and the kids just went wild. They were just bouncing off the wall and irritating a lot of the people, and the folks were frustrated about the kids just 
irritating and everybody kept on looking at the guy and they would be thinking in their breath, you know, take care of your kids, buddy. They're really irritating and they're really bothering everybody. And he, uh, he just wouldn't do anything. He just sat there kind of despondent with his head down and didn't really pay attention to his kids. And people were really getting frustrated at this guy because he was not controlling his kids. And you've probably seen it before too when it's happened, but... All of a sudden, one guy just said, I, I had enough. And he went over to the guy and he said, hey, what about your kids? And the guy looked up at him and he said, yeah, we've just come from the hospital. And my wife just passed away. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And wow, changed the whole paradigm. And when the people in the subway heard it, you know, they, they wanted to start taking care of the kids and started comforting. So sometimes we come to conclusions based on the information that we don't have, and uh, that, that happens on occasion. Sometimes people wrongly accuse us to save their own skin, and to do, to do that just like the boy in the second grade. And when I first, uh, first went into business years ago, probably this has been 70, well, I'm probably not going to say when it was in the late 70s. That'll help out to not sound so long ago. Uh, there was a fellow who, then, then when you sold stuff on... Uh, credit you didn't have the computers to print stuff out you didn't sign a little uh, digital thing you had to actually print the contracts out with a uh, by hand I printed them out by hand and you sent them and one of the guys that a friend I knew came in to buy a motorcycle and his uh, uh, the bank wouldn't approve his credit on his own but his wife's credit was good so uh, so we got the contract both him and his wife's name and I said, well, you know, she needs to come in and sign the papers. He said, well, I'll just take it home. And uh, I'll just take it home and let her uh, let her sign the papers. I'll bring it back tomorrow. No problem. It's my friend, you know, take it home. Long story short, he brought it back. He got the motorcycle he was riding. And I don't remember how long ago, how long it was after, probably 30 days when the payment book came. I got a call and uh, said, she didn't sign those papers that evidently he had signed her name to it and let me have it because said that I was the one that suggested to do that and, and uh, made me a part of it all. And wow. So people do you wrong. People do us wrong a lot of times. How do we react as believers when people do you wrong? How, what should I do when I do somebody else wrong? But today... True story, true event in the life of Joseph. And a lot of times we, we, hear, uh, uh, we hear stories from the Bible that we've heard over and over. And we tend to just kind of uh, dismiss it. But let's don't do that today. Let's listen with a fresh and let's, let's listen to this and let's try to apply it to our own lives. Uh, I've done this before and you might be doing it now, you may not. But you sit in your seat... And when the message topic comes up or the passage comes up, you might uh, punch your wife and say, Hey, Sharon, I wish Joe was here to hear that. <laughs> or you think in your mind, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this sermon. They really need to hear that. Well, probably so, but God's got something for all of us in every message. So let's just listen for ourselves. We can't do anything about Joe. We can't control his life, but we sure can control Paige. And we control what we do ourselves. So let's listen to this with fresh. 
And uh, let's, let's uh, pray that, uh, uh, that that'll work out. So I'd like to pray now that God would use this. God, I pray that you would use this time that we spend this morning. Please help me to remember the things I've studied to, to really recall them correctly. Not do your word any injustice. But use it so that it would uh, uh, pass on the things that I've learned and maybe impact others as it has me. And help us to bring more glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, life of Joseph. We all know about Joseph. We know what happened with him. And we know what a difficult time was. I'd like to read uh, uh, some of the. I don't think we have time to read all of the topics because it goes over. It, it covers Genesis uh, 37. And then it skips over 38 and goes 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45. It covers a lot of the, uh, a lot of that in Joseph's account that he went through. But we'll read as much as we can and go through. But the chapter 37 really is the basis. So let's just read through if, if uh, well, I'll read through that. Uh, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the, he was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Take note of that. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father, to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. Sometimes people say coat of many colors. I heard that. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceful to him. They hated him and could not speak peaceful to him, peacefully to him. Now, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. How, many, how much could they hate this guy? They're, they're, boy, he said to them, hear this dream that I've dreamed. Behold, we were... Binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheep. His brother said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us, or are you indeed to rule over us? And once again, and they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, the eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow down ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, "Are you not uh, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them." And he said to him, "Here I am." Joseph was very obedient, so he said to him, "Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word." So he sent sent out from there to the Valley of Hebron. And he came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. I'd say he was probably looking for his brothers, not just wandering around aimlessly. And the man asked him, what are you seeking? I'm seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, 
Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went there with his brother, went, went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from afar and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into the pit here in the wilderness, and, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to, resolve, to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they, came, then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, and then camels bearing, and their camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh, and they're on the way to, down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him, then Midianite Traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him into the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the pit and he saw Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone, and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped it in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify it, whether it is your sons, not their brothers, interesting, a robe or not. And he identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is, is without doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus the father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, to an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. It was interesting. Egypt plays a lot of roles in Jacob's uh, lineage there. Go back and think about Abraham when he went to Egypt and how he uh, lied about uh, Sarah and all that and then come along a little bit later. Uh, how in Egypt, and God had used to see Egypt all through there. Here it is this time that Joseph uh, is going to end up in Egypt. But think about it. Joseph seems like he's just a perfect guy, perfect son. His father loved him. First of all, you hear what he did right at the very first in verse 2. He gave a negative report about his brothers. He didn't care about what they thought about him, and he wasn't trying to protect them. They were evidently doing something that really was wrong, and Joseph was loyal to his father. And he tattletailed on his brothers. He just he told them, told his father what they were doing. Evidently, doesn't say what he was doing wrong, but he he tattletailed on his brothers, and they knew about it. Evidently, and boy, doing right made him look bad. And he gave that negative report. And that, so it's really we got to think of uh, to do what right is not always popular. And as believers. Maybe in our workplace and stuff like that, we might have something that we see is our employer is doing wrong. 
and maybe uh, fellow employees are doing something wrong, and we think, okay, I'm not going to get involved with that. I don't want to do anything about that. But really, where's our allegiance to? To do the right thing before God and to do what's right and just let the chips fall where they may with others. And I think that really boils down a lot to our faith. Do we really believe that God is in control? Do we really believe he's sovereign? Do we really believe if we do the right thing that God will take care of it? I don't have to worry about uh, protecting myself against the accusations of other people and what people are going to do to retaliate for me because maybe I told on them. And uh, what the, the government has, the whistle, whistleblower program, I think it is, or whatever like that. But bottom line is, how deep is my faith or your faith where we can do what's right and not worry about the consequences? Because we know that God, somebody would say, has got our backs. But God has taken care of us, our allegiance. And then uh, here it is again. Jacob or Israel, his preference was to Joseph. It wasn't Joseph's fault. He didn't, he, he didn't ask for his dad to give him a preferential treatment. His dad did that, and Joseph wasn't at fault at all. But there his dad, his father, was treating him and put him in a really bad situation. It wasn't Joseph's fault, but the brothers blamed Joseph, and they took it out on Joseph, even though he wasn't to blame. It was his father who was the one who put him into that situation. And Joseph, uh, it, well... The coat was a constant reminder. The robe or coat was a constant reminder to his brothers. And their jealousy and all kinds of things that come into this. Well, then here you go with these dreams. And if they needed any more fuel to the fire of their hatred and their jealousy of Joseph, here comes this little 17-year-old. Kind of reminds us of David when he went up against Goliath and or when he went to visit his brothers when they were seeing Goliath, how David with this little fella coming out there and they just thought... And here is Joseph, 17 years old, and his older brothers. And he's telling them these dreams and about what's happening. Boy, it just fueled their anger and their jealousy even more. And was it Joseph's fault? <laughs> he didn't ask to have those dreams. He didn't ask to be a part of this. But he was being used by God. And, and I think a lot of times uh, that we have to remember that the circumstances that we're in in the circumstance that we are, that God, we shouldn't be jealous or envious of somebody else just because God has put him in that position. And sometimes it's easy to do that. You look at somebody and maybe God has blessed him in a way or maybe God has, has uh, worked something out in their life. And it's easy to think, boy, I wish that were me. And I wish, wish that I didn't have to deal with this Problem. It seems like their life is just all in order. Of course, we don't always know the big picture of what's going on in people's lives, but sometimes it looks like on the surface, especially if you watch, not watch, you don't watch Facebook, you, well, I guess you do. <laughs> Look at Facebook, it seems like everybody just puts on there what everything's so good. But the thing about it, though, is we have to make sure that we don't look at other people and envious and do that. It wasn't Joseph's fault. Here he was, but he was really getting into trouble not on his own count his brothers were accusing him and then turned around here he is again his father asked him to go see what was going on with his brothers and uh, look and what did joseph do he was obedient to his father by going to look for his brothers but boy did that backfire on him he went to look for the brothers and he, you know what he could have 
when he got to the first, when he was looking around there and he didn't find him at Shechem, he could have just said, eh, I don't see him anywhere, and then took the easy way out and headed on back and said, they weren't there, I couldn't find them. How many times uh, do I do that? Maybe you do that when we have something we're supposed to obey and do, and we just do it partially because it's an easy way out. And it says, oh, yeah, this is a good excuse. I can get out of it like this. I'll say that. But Joseph didn't do that. He honored his father. His obedience was to his father. And he went the extra mile to go find his brothers. Well, look what it got him. <laughs> this was a story. But, but we got to remember all this. And you know it, and I know it. The hand of God is sovereignly bringing out all this to occur. And we know the end of the story. Joseph didn't know the end of the story. He didn't know what was going to happen. He had no clue. And he was probably, we don't know that he was even, it doesn't even say any thoughts of Joseph where all this is going on. It just constantly says how Joseph just kept on going. And his life was a constant roller coaster of events where this would go wrong. And Joseph would do right, but this would go wrong. And Joseph would do right. This would go wrong. And here we have again that he did right by going to the extra mile to find his brothers. And they saw him. And their hatred and their jealousy got the best of them. And how many times are we in with another, with a group, and that peer pressure or that mob mentality kind of builds up. And it, it causes us to get involved with things that we really don't want to be involved with. And we'll end up doing that and again the same thing is do we really trust God do I trust God do you trust God that he is in control of the situations where we will just do what's right and trust God to take care of the rest just do what's right and trust God to take care of the rest that's what we need to do well Joseph is sold he sold to Potiphar and what I understand when I read about it here's Potiphar who is this is a rough guy. He was a captain of the guard. These are the people, I think, from what I understand, were the ones who carried out executions for uh, Pharaoh and for the king. And, I mean, they were, they were, maybe you could say the meanest of the meanest. I don't know. But they were pretty rough. And Joseph was put in his household to take care of that. Well, you know the story. We're not going to read it. don't have time to do that. You know the story, what happened. Joseph did right. He honored his his uh, master, the one who he was a slave to, honored him. And what happened? <laughs> he got in trouble again. He didn't do anything wrong. Joseph was said no, 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 no to Potiphar's wife. And, and, and here's another, throw it in there too. God's the one who made Joseph handsome. <laughs> and God's the one who made him so that Potiphar's wife was noticed. I mean, it, Joseph, that wasn't his fault. I, I, I don't imagine that he put on cologne in the morning and he combed his hair certain ways. I don't imagine he, he tried to do anything to bring attention to himself, to her. It doesn't give any indication that at Scripture at all. But yet, it does say that he was handsome and God made him that way. It wasn't Joseph's fault. All these things just are the part of God's purpose in Joseph's life. And God's purpose to bring out his whole intention and his, his goal. Okay, he goes and he's put in jail, wrongly accused again. This is at roller coaster. He was doing really good in Potiphar's house and again, then uh, goes to jail. You know the story there. There's, there's uh, Pharaoh's cupbearer and 
Baker are there, and Joseph's put in a high position in, in there, and, and he, uh, all his circumstances seem to be like they're looking up a little bit again. Here's a roller coaster. It's doing really good, just climbing up and everything looking good. And all of a sudden then uh, these guys are there and they say, hey, we'll remember you when we get out. After those dreams, he told them what their dreams were. And we'll remember when you get out and nope, another two years goes by and they forgot to tell Pharaoh. But then Joseph's roller coaster is plummeting again, again. And what does he do? They remember when Pharaoh has a dream and the cupbearer. And uh, those guys, oh, we remember somebody. They told us this, and this is what happened, and and this is what happened. So what did Pharaoh do? But he brought Joseph there and brought him brought him to be in front of Pharaoh. Had to go clean him up. He noticed that. He had to shave and stuff like that, so it must have been pretty rough uh, conditions. And our tendency a lot of times when we're in those roller coasters, it is with me and might be with you too, is to run from God instead of run to him. And it seemed like all through here, don't have time to look at each of the scriptures, but it said God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. And we think, okay, what does it mean for us, for God to be with us? Now, obviously, we know that the omnipresence of God is that he's here with us all the time. Kids in Children's Church could to tell me about that. We've went over the omnipresence and the omniscience and omnipotence and we went over those things over and over and over because it's so fundamental to for us to remember those things when we're in difficult times because we have the wrong if we don't have the correct view of who god is then it's going to it just changes our whole world just like that paradigm of those folks when they found the truth about that dad who had just lost his wife and just when the people knew the truth about it it changed their whole paradigm when we know and we believe and we act on the truth of who god is then it changes how we live life. It changes how we live life. And uh, this, in the case of uh, Joseph, says God was with him. And we know God is with him, omnipresent. We know that. But, I mean, as believers, we have the Spirit of God within us. And we have the Spirit of God that leads us. And I don't understand the dynamics of the mesh between... Uh, our responsibility as a man and God's sovereignty and how that all meshed together. But I do know that we are led by the Spirit and that we are not to be led by evil and not to let evil control us. And we we work at it and we work at following Christ and following that. And Joseph, obviously, because it says numerous times through here how Joseph was led or he God was with him. And he was quick to give God the glory for the things that, that happened in his life. I mean, whenever Pharaoh said, interpret dreams, says, I can't, but God can. He gave God the glory. God can interpret dreams. Now think about it. Here at Joseph, he had been in prison. He had been in difficult times. And all of a sudden, he's, uh, I guess, thrust into this position right in front of Pharaoh. And he has the opportunity to build himself up because these other guys had built him up in front of Pharaoh and said, listen, you... His, this guy can interpret dreams. So it could have been Joseph's opportunity to say, yeah, I can interpret dreams and pay attention to me, Pharaoh, and you need to get me out of prison and you need to let me do this, do this, do this, because I can do this. But no, he didn't do that. He said God is the one who interpreted the dreams. So he was quick to give God the credit and not himself. But at God's purpose, his hand continued on. And there was Joseph who Pharaoh 
by God's enablement. God is the one who put him there. And Joseph went and was elevated to that position, almost like prime minister, vice president, whatever you want to call it. He was, he was elevated up there. All right, now think about this. If you, if you had brothers that had done you so wrong, and if you had carried a grudge for all these years, I mean, how frustrated must he must have been when he was in prison thinking about, or when he was having to work as a slave for Pharaoh, thinking about, look what these guys did to me. Look what they did. They put me in, in this position. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. If they hadn't have treated me so wrongly, I wouldn't be here because of that. I mean, if he had held a grudge all this time, and then when he is elevated to this second position in Egypt, which Egypt was a super powerful country, Pharaoh, Joseph didn't use it to take revenge on his brothers, did he? Did he send a search party out to go look for them? I'm thinking, well, maybe he couldn't find them. Oh, yeah, I think he could have found them some way. But he didn't go to track them down to make them pay. He didn't want to get even. It doesn't say anything about it scripture. It just it doesn't say anything about it at all. Joseph went about his business. He didn't use the power that he had been given to accomplish or get even. He just went along and he did that. And he said he worked diligently to do what he believed God had had him to do. The seven years of famine and, and to prepare and all that stuff like that. And even, and we'll fast forward even at that, he didn't, he didn't use it at that time. And even when his brothers did come, he didn't use it. <laughs> he didn't just, he was a little hard on them. But whenever the brothers did come, what did he do? He did test them. And you know, when we're in uh, difficulty, somebody's done us wrong, and we want to be quick to forgive them. Obviously, no question about that. We don't want to hold a grudge. We want to leave it to God to take, uh, to really, to, to uh, we don't want to have vengeance. We don't let God do that. But we also, we want to be careful in not give them the combination to the safe if they have been an employee that stole from you. You know what I mean? And Joseph was very careful to kind of test his brothers in some of those tests that he gave gave them uh, to do that. But one thing about it is we want to be careful and let let it be a God. Listen to this verse in uh, again in Romans. And it went through here. It says, uh, let me flip over to it. Romans 12, I'll read 14 through 21. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And here it is in verse 17, these few verses. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For doing so, he's burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Joseph did not let the evil misdirect him or direct him to not accomplish what God had for him to accomplish. He stayed the path. He didn't let evil overcome him. He did that. Now, for us, uh, 
How do we apply these things? We look back on number one. We remember always the sovereignty of God. Remember that God is in control of all things. Many of you, as well as I can too, look back on our lives and we look back on what's happened in the past and we see the hand of God go and you say, wow, I I didn't realize it at the time, but God had a purpose for doing that. I didn't realize it at the time, but we see it. But there might be things that happen today or tomorrow that we may not ever see in our lifetime how God would use it. But our faith in the knowledge of who God is, his attributes, his sovereignty at all, we know that that is really that he's going to work all things out to bring us like Christ, to make us Christ-like. That's what the purpose is. And we may not understand it. We might, may not know that. And you think about it. Anytime someone wrongs us or if we wrong someone else, bottom line is sin. And sin is what is the root of it. And that that's what the gospel is all about, is to give us freedom and forgiveness from that. From what other people can do to us, the gospel is there to give us peace and hope and to know that it is. And even think about this whole story of Joseph's life, just to put it in a snapshot, as sort of a type of God and what he has done. Think about the promise that God made to Abraham. Okay, then over here you got the promise that God has made to us as Christians for eternal life, to forgiveness of sin, and to save us from that. And then God's promise was to Abraham. And then the evil that comes along that kind of seems to maybe sidetrack that and take it away from Joseph or to do that. And then the evil comes along with those evil men who killed Jesus and God allowed it. God purposed it. It was all part of his plan. It was all part of God's plan for Joseph to be taken. It wasn't because the brothers were evil. Yes, he used, but he used that evil for his good. The whole purpose for Joseph going to Egypt, and we know this, is that so the Israelites would be taken care of and, and, and God's promise to Abraham would be preserved. And I, I never thought about this before, but Egypt, such a powerful country, here was uh, the Israelites, a brand new young country that God had promised to be a country how many was it 70 some I think that went to Egypt in the beginning but there there were those few people as that country if they started out how could they have survived maybe with other big large countries around them and those but God brought them to Egypt sovereignly and had them in control under, under the control of the Egyptians who were very powerful and very strong, and they were sort of insulated as such. Now, other countries might have been strong, and it's interesting that the Egyptians did not allow intermarrying with other people, which protected the Israelites. They didn't, uh, they didn't even eat with them. I mean, we read about that in uh, the story about Joseph. So they, they kept separate, but the Israelites were able to grow, even under slavery, and they grow, they learn skills, all these things that, that worked out, if you read through, read through uh, Leviticus and other places like that, all about how all the skills that they used to build a tabernacle and stuff like that. Where do you think they learned those skills? <laughs> they learned them in Egypt. And God had a purpose in all that. And then uh, contrast that with how God's purpose for Christ and his death, but then his death was purpose so he could save us. God's got a plan in everything. And I hope today that by our time that we have just spent this little bit of time talking about Joseph and this true event that happened in his life, that first of all, whenever 
you or I are wronged, that we will realize that it's not really to hate the person, not hold a grudge against the person, but hate the sin. Just hate the sin that's caused that to happen. And have compassion and realize that that person needs Jesus and they just need to be forgiven and see that. And that's what our purpose should be. And realize that it couldn't have happened unless God allowed it. And, and make it bring glory to God for the gospel that saves from that. Or maybe you or I have wronged someone else. And this morning has maybe brought it back to our minds that we have done that and not made it right. As believers, when we wrong someone, we defame the name of our Lord. So it's never, never too late to go make it right and humble ourselves before that person and before God and make it right and pray that God will use it for his glory because he has a purpose in everything and his sovereignty will guide us through. And if we live every day with the understanding that God is in control of every little circumstance, whether it be small or great, it changes how we live our lives. We know that. You know that. But let's let this reminder be this morning that we'd use it in our lives. Appreciate you listening to me and taking the time to do this. Be here today. And I pray that God will use it in your life as he has in mine already. And that's my goal. Let's pray together. Lord, your word is really true, and it impacts us if we let it sink deep into our hearts and let your spirit use it in each of our lives. I pray this morning that it would continue to work and do its purpose, that your Holy Spirit would have the liberty in everyone here, in my own life, and as well as others, that you would accomplish your purpose, and that we would have a deep, deep faith to trust you and obey you in every little circumstance, knowing that you're in control and we can trust you and do what's right, and let the chips fall where they may, because you have everything under control. Please let this truth rule our lives and guide our lives. Thank you for your word, and thank you for its power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.